Open your Bibles to the book of Hebrews this morning. The second chapter, page 1001 on the, in the blue Bible in front of you. Hebrews chapter 2. Just going to read a few verses this morning to, to set the tone, to, to get our minds focused on the message that God has for us today. Beginning in verse 1, Hebrews chapter 2, the writer says, Therefore we must pay much closer attention to what we have heard, lest we drift away from it. For since the message declared by angels proved to be reliable and every transgression or disobedience received a just retribution, how shall we escape if we neglect such a great salvation? It was declared at first by the Lord, and it was attested to us by those who heard him. While God also bore witness by signs and wonders and various miracles, and by gifts of the Holy Spirit distributed according to his will. This is the word of the Lord for us today. Blessed are those who hear it and obey it. We started this sermon series last week, and I told you that the theme of this series was going to be You've Been Warned, because Hebrews gives us a number of serious warnings that we need to take seriously. We often get so sidetracked with church and the busyness of life that we forget that God's Word gives us serious warnings warnings about how we are to live. Now let's just recap quickly what we saw last week in chapter one about Jesus. Remember, we saw several things about who he is. One, he's the creator of everything we see. If you can see, if you can touch it, Jesus created all the raw materials of the world around us and God created you too. Second, we learned that Jesus is the sustainer of everything that we see. If Jesus' presence didn't keep everything going, we would just retreat into nothingness. Third, we saw that Jesus is the exact representation of God. Jesus said, if you've seen me, you have seen the Father. He wasn't close. He was exact. Because Jesus and the Father are one. Fourth, we saw that Jesus is the Savior of the world. We're going to talk about that more this morning. And five, we saw that Jesus is the judge. And we're definitely going to talk about that this morning. Because of all of this and what we learn about Jesus, he is God's last best word for us. Now, I am confident this morning that I am going to offend some of you by what I say. That is certainly not my goal, but it does happen. I cannot be afraid of upsetting people to the point where I shrink back from speaking the truth, the full truth of God's Word. So I would ask you today to listen carefully to what I have to say. I had a professor in seminary who said, it's bad enough to be understood He said it's worse to be misunderstood. All right? So don't misunderstand what I'm saying. So pay attention to what I'm going to tell you this morning. Because the subject matter is so vitally important. 
Now we want to pick up where we left off last week in verse 1 of chapter 2. Remember, we closed last week by spilling into chapter 2. Verse 1 of chapter 2 says, We must pay much closer attention to what we've heard, lest we drift from the truth. Pay close attention. Okay, you got my attention. But what are we supposed to pay attention to? What's the warning here? Look at verse 2. For since the message declared by angels proved to be reliable and every transgression or disobedience received a just retribution, how shall we escape if we neglect such a great salvation? Read that again. How shall we escape if we ignore God's salvation in Jesus? Now the question becomes, why preach this in a church to a group of people who are here almost every week? Surely, surely we're safe, right? But that's the danger that we are warned of. We can be in church regularly and still not be right with God. Over time, we can become what has been referred to as gospel-hardened. We hear it so much that after a while we stop hearing it. Oh, that doesn't apply to me. Or I'm already a Christian. And so the words just go in one ear and out the other. We've convinced ourselves today that we're okay with God, and that's all that matters. But why is this warning today so important? Because it's being ignored. This warning about the judgment of God is being ignored almost universally today in our country. Why is this this warning being ignored? Well, number one, because we live in a world that distorts the view of God that we see in the Bible. You'll hear people say, well, God is a God of love. To which we say, amen. We got no disagreement there, do we? But then we're told because God is a God of love, he will never send somebody to hell. And that then becomes the basis to invalidate everything that the Bible says about our dire need for a Savior. The result of this distortion, or probably more likely it's the cause of this distortion, is that many people today reject the idea of hell outright. Hell is a creation of of. of Man, it's an idea that men thought up. It doesn't come from God. Hell is hardly used in the church at all today. Many preachers have all but thrown the word hell out of their preaching. In fact, you're more likely to hear a preacher today say, what the hell, than you're going to hell. We've forgotten the fear of God. Turn over quickly. Keep your finger right here in chapter 2. Turn over to chapter 10 real quick. Hebrews chapter 10. 
Look at verse 31. Hebrews 10.31 says, It is a fearful thing to fall into the hands of a living God. It is what? A fearful thing. Well, what's to be afraid of? There's no hell. That's the way many people believe today. Jesus in Luke 12 said, let me tell you something. Let me give you a tip. He said, don't fear the person that can kill your body. Because that's the worst they can do. Jesus said, you ought to be afraid of the one who can cast your soul into hell. We have lost the fear of God today. Either we've we've forgotten it or we've just rejected it and we've magnified the love of God above everything else to the point that there is no judgment. So what are we left with? If we throw out the idea of the judgment of God, we throw out the idea of the very possibility of hell, what are we left with? We're left with a Savior with no one to save. Think about it. We just concluded another Christmas where we glorified God for sending His Son into the world to be our Savior. And yet most people have rejected our need for a Savior. What's that for? We're left in a world today where virtually everyone goes to heaven. You've heard the idea. God only wants us to be sincere. All roads lead to the same place. As long as you're sincere and you're on some path trying to get to God, God's okay with it. But we live in a time that's taking it one step further. You don't even have to sincerely be seeking God. Because no road is as good as any road too. When someone dies, anyone, when that person dies, what do we almost always hear? Oh, he's in a better place now. He's with his mother and his father again in heaven. In fact, we're unwilling to suggest that anyone we know is going to hell. Okay, okay. Terrorists. Terrorists who blow people up. Terrorists who kill people. They'll go to hell. We're okay with that one. But outside of really, really terrible people who kill people, we're reluctant to say that anyone else is actually going to hell. And because of that, because there is no hell in our thinking anymore, we're left with no reason to tell people that they need a Savior. Because in the end, everybody's going to go to heaven anyway. But what's the truth? What's the truth about this subject of the judgment of God? We don't have time to cover all of the verses to show that where we have ended up rejecting the judgment of God is clearly not in keeping with the truth of God. But let me give you just a couple of reasons this morning. 
to make the point that we need to get back to the truth of what the Bible teaches. Number one, the number one reason why we believe in the judgment of God is because it's taught in the Bible. You understand that if you take all of the judgment passages out of the Bible, you're left with a book that doesn't make sense now. All of these things that tell us what's going to happen at the end when we stand before God and we're judged, take those out and say there is no judgment, there is no hell. What's left? A bunch of mishmash that doesn't make sense. Because it's telling us about a judgment to come that isn't going to come. It's warning us of the danger that is ahead, but there really is no danger. We're left with a Jesus who teaches, I am the only way to heaven, and no one comes to the Father but by me. And yet, no, that's not true. If all roads are the same or no road is just as good, then Jesus was wrong. And if Jesus was wrong about that, well, maybe he's wrong about some other stuff too. We're left with a Bible that is absolutely useless. Or what about the verse where Jesus says, wide is the road that leads to destruction. And many people will find that one. And narrow is the road that leads to eternal life. And few people are going to find that. What does that mean? If there is no hell, Jesus, why are you talking about these roads and certain people going one place and certain people going another place when it's just not true? Or what Paul said in Romans 8, he said, there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ. Which means, which means, if you're not in Christ, there is condemnation. Point two, if there is no judgment to come, then what was the point of Jesus coming into the world in the first place? What was the point of Jesus coming to be the Savior of the world if the world doesn't need to be saved? If everyone's going to go to heaven when they die anyway, why did Jesus have to come and die for our sins? What we celebrate as the supreme act of God's love, sending His Son into the world, becomes an unnecessary act. And God, instead of being a loving Father, is a horrible Father. Because He sent His Son into the world to die when He didn't need to. God has provided this wonderful way of salvation... But then we act like people who reject Christ are no worse off than people who accept Christ. Many people today see no difference between what happens to a Christian, someone who's committed their life to Christ when they die, and when somebody who has nothing to do with God when that person dies. They all end up in a better place when they die. But how can we worship Jesus as the Savior of the world when nobody needs saving? We worship Christ as this wonderful babe who's come to be the Savior of the world at Christmas time. But then after Christmas, yeah, it's no big deal. I've heard Christians say this. People who say they believe in Jesus say it doesn't matter what you believe as long as you're sincere. Then why did Jesus come? 
What was the point? Third, the truth of God's Word teaches that most of the people around us today, most of the people that we see around us today are on their way to hell. They're on their way to eternal damnation shut out from the presence of God. That's what the Bible teaches. Forget what the average person says about how we get to heaven. Let's look at what Jesus says we have to do to get to heaven. Turn over in your Bibles to Luke's Gospel, the ninth chapter. Page 867 in the Blue Bible. Luke chapter 9. In Luke 9.23, I want you to read this. Luke 9.23 says, Jesus said to all, If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross daily, and follow me. But where Jesus teaches that this is the way to get to heaven, this is the only way to get to heaven according to Jesus, we have made it optional. Hey, if you believe in Jesus, that's good enough. What I read in that verse is Jesus says nothing about just believe in me. He said, if you want to be my disciple, you've got to take up your cross. You've got to practice self-sacrifice and you've got to follow me daily. That's what he says. But if Jesus' words are true... That means that every person who's not living a committed relationship with Jesus Christ and following Him daily, that person will die and go to hell. Hebrews is reminding us of a serious truth. And that is, heaven is not automatic for people when they die. That's why the writer goes and talks about this serious warning. Go back to Hebrews 2, quickly, where we started. Look at verse 3, the emphasis phrase this morning. Hebrews 2, 3 says, How shall we escape if we neglect such a great salvation? And the salvation he's talking about there is the salvation in Jesus Christ. And it's a rhetorical question. How shall we escape if we ignore God's salvation? And the rhetorical answer is, you won't. There is no escape. If you didn't escape in the Old Testament when you violated God's law there that was given by angels, how will you escape if you neglect God's salvation that was revealed by His Son? And the answer comes resounding back. You won't escape. Why does this matter? Why does this matter today? Well, number one, this has huge implications for our witnessing. We need to start being more truthful with people that we talk to about the God stuff. No, you don't need to stand on the street corner and everybody that walks by obnoxiously saying, you're going to hell, you're going to hell, you're going to hell. We don't need to do that. It is not our call on who is or isn't going to hell. 
We ought not to go to funerals and say to grieving people, well, you know Uncle Joe's in hell right now. But you understand that just like it's not, as it's not our call to say who goes to hell, it's also not our call to say who goes to heaven. We'll run around at funerals and we'll say, well, Aunt Sally's in a better place now. Really? And how do you know that? Well, well, she was a good person. Great. And did Jesus ever say that to get to heaven, all you got to do is be a good person? No. Jesus said no one is good. No one is able to get to heaven on their own goodness. That's what Jesus said. We're unwilling today to say that our loved ones who don't follow Christ are going to hell. Did you hear me? We are unwilling today to say that our loved ones who reject Christ are going to hell. Oh, many people have excuses for why they're not following Christ. But excuses won't work. We feel like we can substitute some other way of salvation that seems good to us and expect that God will accept it. God didn't say, hey, this is a cafeteria-style smorgasbord. Pick what you want. God said there is one plan of salvation. Take it or leave it. And we often come back and say, well, well, that seems rather harsh of God to give one way of salvation. No, God was not obligated to even offer one way of salvation. And how dare we accuse God of being unloving when he offers us a perfect way of salvation and says, there it is. Well, I think he should let me pick my own way. Really? God is God and he can decide the way to get to a relationship with him. And he said it's through Jesus Christ or not at all. Because we've lost this sense of urgency when it comes to telling people about their need for a Savior, then people around us don't see any need to commit their life to Christ. They don't see a sense of urgency either. Because the way we live our lives, the way we talk, everybody's going to go to heaven anyway. So how can we with any integrity say, you need to commit your life to Christ? Why? When I die, I'm going to heaven anyway. Everybody does. We don't warn people of the danger to come because we don't believe in the danger to come. If there's nothing to fear, there's nothing to warn people about. It's a great irony today that many people believe it's unloving to tell others that without Christ, they're going to hell. Well, that's, that's just not very loving to do. But stop and think about it. If there really is a hell, it would be unloving not to tell people about Christ. What are you going to do? Just sit by and say nothing while they walk uninformed into eternal damnation? When we knew better? Does that sound like a loving thing to do? 
And we must not allow ourselves to lean on the old lie. Have you heard this one? Oh, I don't need to tell people about hell. I don't need to warn them about that. They see the truth in my life by the way I live. You ever hear that one? People don't know that they need a Savior simply by looking at your life. They might look at your life and see that you're living a good moral life by the world standards and they say, hey, if I do that too, I'll be okay. People aren't warned of the dangers of hell until we tell them about the dangers of hell. But let me put a finer point on this. And this is where I'm probably going to get in trouble. This is not just about people out there who aren't following Christ. How many of us sitting in this room right now, week after week, feel like we're just fine with God because we attend church? Yet Jesus never said that the road to heaven is paved with church attendance. What will we say when we stand before God? And he asks us, not people out there, you and me. What will we say when he says, why didn't you follow Jesus daily in a sacrificial way, giving your life for others? Will you look at God and say, well, I thought my way was just as good, honestly. I, I just figured you'd be okay with it. Even though the Bible says we can't come up with our own way and have it work. Is that what you're going to tell God? The serious question this morning we want to ask ourselves is, have I committed my life to Jesus Christ? Not by just saying some words, but am I doing what Jesus said, which was taking up our cross, denying ourselves, and following him daily? The warning here in Hebrews chapter 2 is how can we escape if we neglect this? How can you miss it? Coming into church, opening your Bible, seeing that Jesus is the Savior. What will you say to God when he says, why did you reject the Savior that I sent into the world? What will you say? We need to commit ourselves to Christ now before it's too late. But second, for those of us who have committed our lives to Christ... We need to get serious about telling others about their serious need for a Savior. We have been dancing around this thing because we don't want to offend people. We don't want to appear to be judgmental. And so we sit back saying nothing while they go off into hell. Have you ever been to a funeral like I have? That uncomfortable moment where you're standing by the casket and somebody says those words that are always said, oh, he's in a better place. And that twinge of conscience that says, there's no reason to believe that. 
That person didn't live for Christ. They never darkened the door of the church. They never professed faith in Christ. They didn't deny themselves and follow Christ. There is no reason to believe that person is in heaven. And then the conviction comes in as you realize, and I said not one word to that person about their need for Christ. People, what is wrong with us? We've got the greatest message, the greatest gift, and we're saying nothing. We're letting people just drift off into hell because we don't want them to be offended. I had a professor in college, I love this guy. He said, all the time, we're, we're afraid to offend people. We're afraid to turn them off. He yelled, what are you going to turn them off to? They're already going to hell. We're more concerned that people like us than that we tell them the truth that apart from Jesus Christ, they have no hope. And I would ask you this morning, if you've committed your life to Christ and you believe that you're going to heaven because of your commitment to Christ, how can you not tell others about him? If you truly believe that, if you've committed your life to Jesus as your Savior and Lord, how can you just say, you know what, everybody else can go to hell. I don't care. I'm okay. Really? Does that sound like something that a Christian would say? Does that sound like something that a Christian, how a Christian would live? No. We would be willing to share with others, you need to turn your life around before it's too late. And yes, that means we have the uncomfortable responsibility of looking at our loved ones and saying, apart from Jesus, I will never see you again. And you will have your family members get mad at you. Oh, you're saying I'm going to hell? No, I'm telling you what the Word of God says, that apart from Jesus Christ, you have no hope of ever seeing heaven. Those are not my words. I didn't make them up. That's God's Word. Whether they believe it or not, whether they commit their life to Christ is on them. But it's on us to share with them the truth. And God forgive us for sitting there silently while others profess their belief that they're going to heaven because they're good people. And we sit there mum. Even though we know that you can't be good enough to get into heaven on your own. And our silence in their mind, confirms that we agree with them. That's what they think. When we ought to say no, God's word is true. And God's word says that there is no way to heaven apart from a committed relationship. It doesn't say believe in Jesus. It says you've got to commit your life and follow him daily. I'm going to ask you to close your eyes and bow your head for just a moment. I've confronted you this morning from God's word with the uncomfortable truth that some of us in this room right now are not going to heaven. We may have convinced ourselves that we're okay, but we are ignoring the great salvation that God has provided. 
The writer of Hebrews says, how shall we escape? And the resounding answer is, you won't escape. Someday you will stand before God and you will give an account of your life. And if you have not committed your life to Christ, you will spend eternity in hell. Now, we can pretend like that's not true. We can deny that that's true. But the Word of God is true, and let God be true, and every man a liar. There is no hope apart from Jesus Christ. Now, you stop and look at your life right now. If you were to die today, would God look at you and say, you were living a committed life to Jesus Christ? Or would God say, you were a good church attender? And second, some of us here today ought to be ashamed of ourselves because people closest to us, family members, friends, co-workers, we've never said one word about Jesus Christ to them. We've never offered them faith in Jesus Christ as the only hope of eternal life, the only salvation from eternity in hell. And we've not said one word. What kind of people are we to sit back and just watch people go to hell? Father God, we're thankful this morning for the serious warnings that you give us.